Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we are back with part two of DC Fandom, which is kind of wild when you think about it. Uh, But DC's virtual convention, which we covered just a couple weeks ago, had so much to do that they couldn't cram it all into one weekend. So they came back. And now we're back to take a look at it again. Um, Joining us again, like our first episode, is a comic book detective expert. Uh, Go for it. Kylie, tell us about yourself and your podcast. All right. Well, thanks, A, for having me back. Um, I always love being on here with you guys. Um, And uh, yeah, no, I I have a podcast not about comics or anything nerdy, um, but a different kind of nerd, uh, sports. So it's all about women's sports. It's called Bet on Women um, Podcast. And it's a... It's fun. We just kind of basically talk about all the women's sports news and female athletes and just go into uh, all the details of that and what's going on. And you give like the odds on who's going to win in the WNBA or whatever? Uh, Honestly, um, (laughs) I'm learning the WNBA because I have never been um, I've never been part of that sort of like basketball fandom. Um, I've been mostly touching on the softball and the soccer. But um, yes, I'm getting into it and I'm starting to learn. And uh, and I will place my bets sooner than later than later. Kylie, thank you for joining us again. And hey, you know, don't knock it. Being passionate about something is what being a geek is all about. You can totally be a sports geek. That's welcome on the show. Um, unfortunately, fellow expert and probable Court of Owls assassin John Cashmore is unable to join us uh, today, but he does send his best. Um, so with the prevarications out of the way, let's jump right into it. I mean, to start off, so Fandom won, I mean, virtual convention. It was really just a bunch of televised panels, but this one was organized a little bit differently, right? How do you, how do you describe what the heck this was? Well, to me, this one felt a lot more like being at an actual convention in terms of multiple different, uh, different areas that you can explore um, instead of just like a Hall H, which is what the last one felt like, where you're kind of almost just sitting in a Hall H every day or every day, all day, like 24 seven and just panel after panel. Whereas this one I felt had um, a lot more options to explore the actual world and uh, world building stuff. So um, I can take you through quickly just the different sections. Um, So there's watch first, which was basically all the the panels from this time that you could watch. There's the insider verse, which is all the behind the scenes style content. U verse, which was like the fan art, cosplay, DC tattoos. Uh, so basically, just the fan um, sh- fans showing off their uh, DC love. And then fun verse was kind of interesting. It was like an escape room. Uh, there was uh, comics to read, selfie station, trivia, that sort of more interactive game playing kind of stuff. Uh, and then there's the Hall of Heroes, which was the original weekend um, kind of Hall H um, one, uh, one-time panels that you could also rewatch this time around if you missed it last. And then the Kidsverse, which was friend, uh, fun for kids like Lego Lab. They had read-alongs, make a comic book, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I, I can understand why they broke it up the way they did. Originally, it was all going to be one day, but the 
the if they had done it that way and there had been the same setup with the the one long stream of videos of the big events like they did in August as well as all this other stuff it would have just taken all the oxygen out of the room like i don't think many of the other areas would have been investigated cuz you'd just watch panel after panel of suicide squad and the batman and and whatever but this one definitely felt more, like you said, like a real convention where you go from thing to thing. They even had a, an area where you could, there were 200 free DC comics to read through. So that gave me sort of a virtual digging through long boxes feeling, which is what, you know, oh, my that's main what you goal. wanted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my goal when I go to conventions, go through boxes and boxes of comic books looking for deals. And here they were all free. So the best deal of all. And it's also a good intro for people who maybe know the universe from the TV and movies but haven't quite gotten into the actual comic world. Because I believe from what I saw, there was a few of the rebirth, like first issues and stuff like that to kind of get your feet wet. So do you want let, to – let's start with the comics then. Uh, I, I I think you avoided them because you'd, uh, you'd already seen – I perused. So many of them. I perused, but um, I didn't do a deep dive into the comics as much as you so- did. I didn't do a huge deep dive, but I did read quite a few. I read the the two Shazam issues that were in there. I read uh, I, my first Hellblazer comic. I read that new number one. And I read the three Black Adam issues that were available on there. And the, actually, the first comic I read was the Milestone Zero, which is how they're relaunching the Milestone universe. And we can talk more about that after. But I, my main takeaway from this, especially reading those issues... There were three Black Adam issues. I think two were number ones and one was an issue number two. But they were all from different times in the last ten years. Mm. And they it felt very disjointed reading them. They all set up sort of completely different status quos for the character. And, you know, I got the sense that it was the same guy. But there was no continuity between it and it was really weird. Like, you read issue one and then you go to issue number two and it's from a completely different run. That's weird. Yeah, so I didn't really like that. Same thing with Shazam. There was an issue one, and in it, uh, I think Freddy was um, was full on Shazam. Freddie Freeman had had the Shazam powers, and then there was an issue two, and it was a completely different status quo. So it was like, if you are looking to learn more about the characters or learn more about the comics, it was not clear when these things took place or what the continuity was. Oh, I see. I thought it was going to be the opposite. Again, I didn't. I didn't dive too much into it, um, mostly because the internet I was on uh, was not great for those um, virtual comics. But uh, I kind of assumed that they would want to launch you and do like one or two issues of the same run. That's interesting that they did that way. Yeah, and the other thing I noticed was a lot of them were issue two and three, not issue one. <laughs> I thought, well, that's got to be uh, like you know, give them a little and get you like you've read two and three. Now you got to see how it starts and go shell out your six ninety. Does that make sense to anyone? <laughs> Is it? A, I wonder <laughs> if it's a right. Struggling with the fact that they had multiple issue number ones like at all, much less within the same decade. Like, yeah, they, well, they rebooted it so quickly. That seems yeah. insane to me. That's comics these days. That's not just a DC problem. That's that's the whole. Well, let's just say it's a it's a DC and Marvel problem because they're the ones with the all the superhero stuff. Stuff gets rebooted all the time, and it's it's uh, you know for I can imagine how off putting that is for a new fan. Like it's hard enough for me trying to find stuff, but I'm sort of used to the numbers being all over the place. I think I think this is a whole other tangent, but I'll just quickly say <laughs> I think in the old day people 
saw the the huge numbers on the issues as uh, an impediment to getting into it. Like if someone said, oh, read issue 300 of the X-Men, you'd be like, 300? How am I going to understand it? There's been 299 other issues. Yeah. But now you have to be like, all right, read issue one of this. No, not that number one. No, no, not that one. Not that one. The one, the, the second number one from 2015. It's like, how how is anyone supposed to keep track of this stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, every other form of media just uses names. And that usually works well, right? Like, well, you, you don't say I'm going to watch episode 437 of Star Trek. You're going to say I'm going to watch Star Trek Deep Space Nine season three, episode one. I guess so, but they reboot the stuff so often that it would be you'd be saying like, okay, read Captain Marvel volume eight issue one, and that still I, it works. Just, That's something I, I can so. type into Google and find it immediately. <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't even do it that way. There's like it's sometimes divided by author. Sometimes it's like volume one of Kelly Sue DeConnick's run or volume yeah. one of this author's run instead of by character. It's it's like it's yeah. hard to follow. In this in this uh, section of the of the uh, fandom, like did they did they list it by any sort of any sort of um, uh, years or characters or how was it uh, was it all alphabetical? Like how did they do the comics? To the best of my recollection, it seemed to mostly be an alphabetical gotcha. order. Okay. Of some sort. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't uh, fully clear. The other thing is there there were very few full stories, even things that might have benefited from being a full run. Like, there's only, what, three issues, three large-sized issues of Red Sun, right? Mm-hmm. But, but here they just had part one, and it's like, just let people read the whole story, and then right. they'll, they'll have a complete story, and that'll give them a better feeling, I think, than than that than than just reading part one of three of a very self-contained story but it also probably helps sell copies of red sun yeah it's i guess so it was a cool idea what they were trying to do um and i and i um i applaud them for allowing like the you know 200 and some free comics whether it actually be the correct issues for people to read but you wonder if there's any sort of um licensing uh deals that maybe prevented certain ones like if it's up on hoopla maybe they weren't able to actually throw it up on here that kind of thing i i would be surprised if that was the case because it's so so like it's such a monopoly these guys control the characters and they can do whatever they want with them and you know marvel recently put i think it was 250 full issues of black panther on comixology for free and you could download them and keep them forever this is 24 hours of 200 completely random comics (laughs) at an event that was meant to bring people in and like get people hooked on stuff and it's like if it were up to me i may have just done issue ones but had it all be issue ones from really current stuff so you read it and you can like jump right in like this is issue one of the current Aquaman run. So if you like this, there's plenty of really new stuff and you can catch up really quickly. Yeah, That, that makes was- a lot of sense to me too, yeah. yeah. Now on the other hand, it does simulate that sense of being at a real convention where you're digging <laughs> through the comics and you can find number two and three, but you can't find <laughs> issue one. And so yeah. Like, oh, maybe there's some of that too. That's true, that's true. I hadn't considered that. They were just going for the real authentic dime uh, box Exactly. <laughs> Make you feel at home. Yeah. Well, in any case, so mixed success on the comics. 
So um, I just uh, let me dive a bit more into that Milestone Zero thing, since since that was one of the big announcements from the last fandom was right. that uh, Milestone Comics is coming back. Um, just as a refresher, Milestone was an imprint that DC had that was completely controlled by, I believe it was four black creators, including Dwayne McDuffie and uh, and Dennis Cowan and, and uh, some people like that. And it had a decent run. Its biggest character was Static Shock, who got his own animated series. But the, the imprint floundered a bit and it disappeared. And they've tried to reboot it a couple of times. But now it sounds like this is a real strong, fresh push for it with a lot of the original people back to, to relaunch the characters. And this issue reintroduces all of their big names or most of their big names. And I... I mean, go, as a comic fan, at, at that time when those were coming out, I was just getting bargain books. I was getting whatever I could in, you know, those collector's three packs that you would get at convenience stores or, or in the quarter bins of flea markets. And I got a few of those issues, and they didn't make a huge impact on me, especially since they weren't very big in the zeitgeist, not like the X-Men or Superman or Batman. So I remember reading them and sort of just not following up with them. But this gave me a real good taste for them, and, and there were a couple of characters that I was interested in. Um, do you guys? Did you guys have any know anything about Milestone? I sadly do not. That's that's all you, Graham. <laughs> so so the two sort of stars of this. There's Static Shock, which I knew a, a bit about from from previous stuff, but he's he's pretty much your standard teen superhero. He's He's uh, in high school, he's got romance troubles, but he also has electric powers and can fly. And, and it's it's very, it's sort of by the numbers for that. What sets him apart is that he's black, which is not, you know, the, the sort of world that our typical characters like that come from, like Spider-Man or, mm-hmm. or the other superhero characters of that. So that adds, at the time, that was the twist on the genre. But the one that intrigued me more was their take on Superman. There's there's Superman pastiches in every superhero universe. There's some version of a Superman character, whether it's, you know, Supreme or Hyperion or, or whatever in all, all these different areas. But theirs was this guy named Icon. And so he's he's an alien who's been living on Earth for hundreds of years. He crashed here and he's just been biding his time waiting for for technology to catch up with him so that he can like fix his ship and get off the the planet but he's been living kind of like a batman existence where he's been pretending to be a billionaire because he's a bit of a shapeshifter and this girl breaks into his house and she is a teenager and sort of a troublemaker but she sees who he is and what he can do and she convinces him to become a superhero so that's uh he makes himself look like a, a black man and she is his teen sidekick it's kind of like a mix between superman and batman and this but he's so stoic and quiet so she's she's the voice of the team and i thought that was a really neat twist on the superman mythos so that's pretty cool actually yeah yeah Yeah, i'd be i'm i'm curious to check out more of it but yeah that was my big thing my big takeaway from the comics uh yeah milestone looks cool it sounds like that's what like you wanted them to do with everything else right is they gave you a taste that, that, that intro to it and then left room for you to start spending your money on other stuff. Yeah, and and just having some consistency with the numbering also yeah. would have been <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, fair enough. 
So, so what were the what what verse or what island or whatever did you spend the most time at, Kylie? Um, I would say between watch verse and insider verse. Um, I did go into the fun verse and I did this the escape room. It was a Joker escape room that was quite creepy. Um, <laughs> but um, I for the most part spent uh, in the watch verse watching the uh, the panels for the comics and the uh, TV shows as well as the uh, insider verse watching some of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I will say for the behind the scenes stuff, I don't know if you guys spent much time in there, but the one. One panel that I really liked, uh, well, there's two of them. There was the Amazons um, for Wonder Woman panel, which was great to listen to them sort of speak about that and the behind the scenes of all the Amazon stuff, which out of this, I believe it was out of this or it was out of an interview right after that Patty Jenkins said that there's going to be an Amazon spinoff movie. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Yeah. So not only is there going to be Wonder Woman 2 coming out, then Wonder Woman 3, they're also going to do a spinoff like prequel of the Amazons. Um, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm, uh, I am, well, first of all, I trust Patty Jenkins so far. Um, we, she's done a great job with that world so far, but I, I will say I did like some of the stuff that we got in the first Wonder Woman. Um, and I would have liked to spend a little bit more time in the Amazon world. Um, I'm, cu- I will be curious to see, I didn't find out who, who it's going to follow. Like if it's going to follow her mom or the creation of the Amazon, like that whole section. But um, I, I'm cautiously optimistic, if that makes sense. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I am hoping that, uh, that it's, not, it's not a disappointment. But um, when one thing works in the world of movies, they send, tend to uh, beat it over the head quite a few times. So... Uh, we'll see by the time we get to that movie whether we all still care or not. Um, <laughs> the other one was the uh, did you, there's a CNN uh, great big story that Kevin Conroy Batman um, I didn't documentary. Watch that, that was the thing about this. There was so much material, and it, like if they had had it running at the same time, all this I, I had I couldn't watch all the stuff I wanted to watch. I just didn't have there weren't enough hours in the day where I, I that I had available to watch it all. So some of this stuff I was just like, ah, if I had a bit more time, I would check it out. But there was so much content. But yeah, what what did you learn from the Kevin Conroy one? Well, it's just like it's just kind of I don't know. I enjoyed it just because he's legendary the voice of batman and all the dc like animated stuff that i can remember um so it was just kind of i didn't uh, i didn't end up watching the whole thing but just to listen to him talk about the character and like the way he's done what he's done for years and years and years and like um the minis the mini docuseries um from the great big story it's like three incredibly talented actors share their uh talents behind the microphone to give uh, voices to DC characters. So there was not only just Kevin Conroy, but there was like a few others. But I, I truly enjoyed that one. Um, honestly, he's such a legend. Um, did he actually retire? Can Do you know? Or is he still going to do some Batman stuff? Because I thought I had read that he was going to like hang up his boots like um, Mark Hamill and the Joker. Yeah, but Mark Hamill hasn't actually successfully been able to do that, right? Like, <laughs> he's retired a couple of times from the Joker that, that I can count, and I don't even follow that closely. Yeah. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't put too much stock in it, right? I, and not to be a dick or anything, but he is doing cameos, uh, and cameo is the service where you can pay him like two hundred bucks, and he'll record a personal message for you. I feel like if he's doing that, he's not going to turn down a paycheck <laughs> to also be the Batman. I mean, Fair. he's he's. 
uh, there's this event thing on the the Waze GPS, and you can get him as Batman oh to direct you to Grandma's house or whatever. So there's he he's not turning down Batman work True. so far. He I I will say like I remember him as like Batman for a long time for me in terms of voice. Um, I like everything I did, everything I played or watched with you know animated. He was Batman, so. Um, I yeah I watched it it's interesting it's definitely worth a look um, if they do release it anywhere else I'm assuming it'll probably be on like HBO Max or something like that eventually um, but uh, or CNN maybe oh yeah or CNN true good call good call um, but yeah he so is a legend he's yeah. he's I find you know anytime there's a Batman animated thing and it's not Kevin Conroy I'm always a little disappointed, disappointed. yeah yeah um, but those were the two main ones that I kind of um, stuck to and enjoyed. There was a few others of like the TV shows, like Super um, Supergirl, and like behind the scenes of how she flies and VFX stuff and that sort of thing. Um, but in in terms of the Insiderverse, those are the two that really kind of stood out to me. It was the Wonder Woman Amazon one and then the, uh, the the CNN one. Yeah, I mean, going back to the Amazon thing, it feels kind of like. I don't. I don't know. It's. It seems like such a limited world, and it can only to to me. It seems most interesting as the place that Wonder Woman comes from. Like I don't know that I care that much about the Amazons in general. Yeah, but I think that, I think the audience uh, is more of the like you know powerful women in this island kind of no men there like that's the kind of idea i'm guessing of what audience they're kind of going for is like well, where's the conflict yeah well, aries will show up and he'll be a, a <laughs> dick and a god of war and or it'll be how she sculpted her from clay or sand you know what i mean like it'll be that whole it'd be hard to stretch that over a season <laughs> <laughs> is this a, a movie or a tv a show movie. sorry it's a movie Still, it's hard to stretch that over 15 minutes, never mind two hours. I know. I'll be curious to see what they do with it, um, but uh, I, I want to see it first before I make my judgment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was kind of cool. Um, other than that, I didn't go into U-verse at all, um, but that's not to say that the cosplays aren't always amazing um, and fan art and stuff. I was... I was tempted to dabble into the DC tattoos, but something else, like, but then I ended up catching something else. Cause again, like you said, not enough time to kind of hit everything. Um, yeah. It but, gives you, it gives you a nice feel for the, the, um, the convention experience, but yeah, personally, I don't go to conventions for the cosplay. It's just kind of like, that's, that's a, a side thing. It's like when I'm there and there's cosplay, I'm like, Oh, that's neat. There's some cool stuff, but I've never gone to a convention just for the cosplay. Agreed. Agreed. But it is always cool to see, like, like uh, honestly, I personally um, would never be able to, A, craft any of that, or B, put the effort into it. Um, <laughs> so it's always nice to appreciate that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I didn't dive too deep into that. I just feel like there's also a million other places online where you can find pictures of people dressed up as Superman or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it does kind of round out, like you said, the whole convention feel. Uh, of yeah. this um, and then yeah watch versus kind of where I spent most of my time because there was quite a few TV panels of some of the shows that I watch um, and um, I don't know if you caught any at all Graham 
I didn't uh, I didn't dive too much into the TV show stuff because I'm not watching a lot of it and I'm not uh, so so and I also I mean I also kind of figured you would be more keen on that <laughs> so I decided to focus on some stuff that you weren't gonna watch so we could cover more ground all on around. it. And yeah, around. well planned out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I'll I'll touch base on a few of the TV shows um, that uh, had some some uh, of note um, things. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, I've still watched the show. I know Graham, you did for a bit. Yeah, I watched the first uh, two seasons. I think. Right, right. Um, I will say I've, I've. It's got. It's actually one of those shows that I think personally has gotten better as it's gone on. Uh, whereas I can't say that for most of the DV the DC TV shows. Um, <laughs> well, it started pretty. I mean, not again. I, not, I'm trying not to be a jerk, but it feels like it started <laughs> poorly so and just got so better and better. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, it kind of. And uh, when you hear what the main focus of season six is, you'll understand they kind of embraced their crazy. Um, and I think that's what fans kind of took from it and sort of ran with and love. Um, I personally love that because it's so ridiculous, the show, like every season, like this season was all about magic and like how they brought in like the evil fairy godmother is like got magic and like the world has magic now. And it's like, so random each season has a weird theme to it almost in some ways uh but season six they revealed is all gonna be about aliens so right so the you know the leader sarah lance has been kidnapped and so it's gonna focus on her story of being kidnapped by these aliens uh her girlfriend has her story of losing control because you know she's a clone but also her girlfriend and her girlfriend's gone um and then they've got um a new legend that they've announced is going to come in. That's um, a young Latino woman from Texas who has been kidnapped by aliens and got has like got this like thirst for vengeance anyways. And she comes aboard and she's going to be like an opposite of what the rest of them are. She's not that lovable character that you all like. Um, so that'll be interesting. They announced that. Um, Do we know what is she a superhero or is she like a brand new character? Um, she is a brand new character from what I understand. I haven't. Um, heard of any sort of name or like yeah. I didn't dive into the, it too too much but the, the character's name is Esperanza Spooner Cruz mm-hmm. um, and I did a cursory Google search uh, which tells me that I think this is a fresh uh, yeah. I, I don't see any I didn't recognize it um, again they have also picked out some of the craziest characters that you wouldn't recognize normally but um, yeah I didn't recognize the name of it but uh, again the show is so ridiculous that I can't wait to see what they do with aliens. Like of all things. Um, I think it was, I don't know if it was this season or last season, like literally the first episode was a unicorn spearing someone through their chest (laughs) with their horn. Like it's like so ridiculous, but um, I do like that. They kind of embrace that sort of feel to it. Uh, It's definitely different from all the other DC TV shows in that sense. Uh, It doesn't take itself too seriously and has made many uh, fourth wall jokes and stuff like that. So, um, so do you do you think this Esperanza character could in any way be connected to the Green Lantern Jessica Cruz? uh, First of all, how dare you? Uh, (laughs) 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 Because Jessica Cruz is literally one of my favorite DC comic (laughs) characters. Uh, no, I'm very, I would, uh, the how dare you was in like, oh my God, I never thought of that. And I <laughs> honestly hope that you uh, just stumbled on something amazing and that it's going to happen uh, because that 
is incredible and i would love it so much <laughs> now i just have to go google all the things okay i'm so happy about that idea uh no jessica cruz love that character um obviously um one of my favorite of the i'm sad that they've kind of destroyed that uh that green lantern run with her in right. it um which makes me sad but i'm still hopeful uh because so this is such a nerdy thing and i'll only digress for one second but in the DC movies logo that they did now, like you know how Marvel always had their logo with the comics before all the movies, they did the DC one in the last few movies, and you can see Jessica Cruz in that DC um, logo. Uh, uh, so you're hoping that's I'm a, always a just sign like, of things on, to come. come but I know <laughs> that they have the Green Lantern TV show, I think, coming to HBO Max. So who knows? But uh, hey, maybe it's a chance to spin it off from this. Yeah, but how dare you? No, um, <laughs> I got very aggressive there. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, okay. So another one that I watched uh, was the Batwoman panel. Um, I watched the first season of Batwoman. Surprised me. I don't never read the comics or um, knew much about the character just because. It- I, I have to say, her the the comics that that launched her were created by Greg Rucka and J. H. Williams the third, and eventually J. H. Williams the third took over as the writer as well. I believe as the artist. I think he was doing double duty for a little while. J. H. Williams the third is the most mind blowing comic book artist. His his panel designs, his character designs, it's all just like jaw droppingly amazing. Had to put that out there. Please carry on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so well now I'll have to pick them up. Um, but obviously the big storyline is is that um, Ruby Rose is not coming back to play her. Um, I thought the first season was great. Uh, you know, I again I've never barely been a fan of Ruby Rose as an actress, but she surprised me. I didn't mind it. Um, I thought that the they brought in like Hush as a character, which was great. They ended up using Bruce Wayne. Uh, which I didn't think they would. Lucius Fox's son, Luke Fox, has a big role in it. Alfred's niece is in it. So they have like such a you know um, great world to obviously take from in Gotham. Um, but Ruby Rose uh, didn't give like a real big reason as to why she left. But she is uh, no longer going to be on the show. So one of the big points uh, that everybody wants to know about, which they did reveal, and they had already revealed, but they introduced her was um, the new actress that will be playing her or Batwoman, but she'll be playing a different character. So it'll be Ryan Wilder is the character who's going to come in and she is a separate character from uh, Katie Kane. And so they're, the whole mystery behind this new season they're saying is where did, where is Kate? What happened to her? Um, the way that they left the last season, I don't want to give spoilers for anybody who wants to watch it yet. I do recommend it because I think it is a great show. Um, but they left it off in a, in a very interesting way where I'm super curious to see how they explain her missing and all of that um because it was they were going towards like you know bruce wayne showed up they're they're going towards a fairly large story plot um in that so and the villain is alice who is a joker-like character who is technically her sister so there's a lot of a vendetta there situation so for alice to still be one of the main bad guys it'll be interesting how they spin that um, and why she would go after the new Batwoman when it's not a personal thing. Um, it's also interesting like, how much, how many legacy characters there are in it. Like, like Luke Fox in yeah. the comics is is Batwing. It's yep. kind of like a mix of Iron Man and Batman. And then in the in the movies, the old 
Tim Burton and uh, Joel Schumacher movies, Batgirl was that Barbara character was the niece of Alfred. So maybe they would do something right. like that. Too. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it's interesting. Um, I, like I said, I enjoyed the first season. I was pleasantly surprised by it. It's kind of a bit like an arrow um, and felt very much like an arrow first season style. Um, but yeah, so this new superhero comes to Gotham and um, she has a lot going, you know, she's apparently like very, um, uh, very mad about the injustice at the moment. And she was born into a system with no um, build for the, like, it's just, she's, she's a battle against system type like storyline. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with it um, and, and where they take it anyways uh is my biggest takeaway from it is like they sort of said that the whole season's wrapped around the mystery of why katie kane's gone but you know we didn't give anything away so i'm curious to see how it all folds but basically my takeaway is it's not a bad show worth a when, shot I, I remember when when it was announced that ruby rose was leaving there was a, a jesse and i were texting and um i thought for sure they would just have the, a new actress come on take over the same role because it seemed it seemed crazy to to just like do a whole like to have a whole new character take over but jesse seemed convinced from the get-go that it was going to be a whole new character i just that seems like the easiest way to do it there are yeah. several bat women I mean, you don't have one just pick another one <laughs> you can do the so. same thing with robins all the time right robin for sure but but i think there's only one Batwoman. I only know of the one. Um, yeah, come on, I didn't, read, <laughs> I didn't read all the comics, so I could be wrong. There could be another one out there. But I uh, I agree. I was shocked when it, when it first happened. I was like, because, again, they put so much, um, you know, marketing behind it's Kate, Katie Kane. Like, this is the character. It's, she's a lesbian superhero. Like, you know, like we're going full in on all this story. And then to have to switch that, um, I can't imagine was an easy uh, conversation to have. But... I think the best option for them was to just basically say, we're not killing her off and we're not getting rid of Katie Kane. We're just bringing someone else in. Um, and sorry, just to circle back on that, just to make sure we're clear. I, I am, I was certain <laughs> that multiple people had used the Batwoman character, but you're saying it's only always ever been Kate Kane. Yeah. Well, there haven't been that many Batwoman. Yeah, I was just so am I confusing it with girls? Is that what's yeah, happening? Yeah. Girls has been a couple. Okay. Um, yeah, at least a couple. I, I can think of three off the top of my head, maybe four. But I'm pretty positive that there's only ever been one, and it was Katie Kane because um, it's not that old. Like, I think it started 2006. Um, yeah, before that, there was one in the 50s, I think, and it was an effort. It was after the book came out that it described Batman and Robin's relationship as, as you know, homoerotic. And in order to try and diffuse that interpretation, they introduced uh, Batwoman in the original, the very first Batgirl. They were just sort of gender swap Batman and Robin. And uh, they were there to be like, you know, to, to make the guys uh, seem less gay. Uh, and, <laughs> and she was Kate Kane back then as well. Yeah, I'm looking, and it looks like there's only Kate Kane. Um, but then, so who was Cassandra Kane? That was Batgirl. Yeah, and they spell their names completely differently. Yeah, yeah. Right. There was a Batgirl okay. version that was Kate, uh, Cassandra Kane, yeah. Yeah, and now she's Orphan. Yes, yeah, yeah. So then who was Black Bat? Uh, 
Uh, was that, that I'm not familiar with. Brown? No, Stephanie Brown, I think, was Batgirl as well. Um, so, okay. So Kate <laughs> Kane so is many, Batwoman. Yes. <laughs> Sandra Kane <laughs> is one of the Batgirls. Yeah. Okay, um, so I think based on a brief Google here, um, she may, Cassandra Kane may have also gone by the name Black Bat at one point. Uh, but okay. now she's orphan. <laughs> oh god! You got that? There's so many. Everyone bats. listening, perfectly clear. There's so many bats. Um, yeah, Comic yeah. books, everybody. I know, right? All right. So yeah, new yeah, new Batwoman. Um, curious to see how they do it. Very um, exciting. Moving uh, on. Moving on uh, to one of my other uh, favorite shows, Lucifer. Um, so there was a brief panel. It was not with like cast or anything like that. It was more of a behind the scenes look at their musical episode that's coming up. And so how it's worked is that Lucifer was canceled and then brought back by Netflix and season four and five have been on Netflix and they've both been sort of, um, well, at least season five was split up into two parts. So we've only seen season five, part a, um, season five, part B is still to be, uh, released and so this musical episode is part of that section of season five there is also a season six that has been ordered that is like the final season um of the show but yeah we basically got a a look at the first or one of the first performances of the cast singing another one bites the dust uh when they arrive at a murder scene essentially um in a football field um, I'm not totally familiar with the with Lucifer as a show, but does does a musical episode fit the tone? Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> yes? Question mark. Um, it does. It's not a it's not a very dark show. No, okay. it, it's um, um it's like, it's like a castle. You know, castle. It's like yeah. that. It's like very okay. kind of like he's kind of comedic. She's the more like stoic cop sort of thing. They've got this. You know, there's a bit of a biblical thing, obviously, with him being you know, the devil and all of that. But there is like, they did a, yeah, 19- a bit of a biblical thing. <laughs> they did a 1940s episode, uh, this season, like part a of season five, where it's all black and white. And so like, they've done like the cheesy kind of like, they've had a musical number, I believe in season four for like a quick second. Um, and so it's not out of the norm. And it's also like the fans know that like he can sing, he plays piano a lot in the show. Um, and like most of the cast members can sing, so I think fans, it's like a, it's like a fan service episode where fans have asked for it for a long time, knowing that the cast can sing. Basically, um, it seems fun. Uh, I'm excited. I love the show. They also released the season four blooper reel that no one got to see before. That was quite funny and fairly long, surprisingly like four minutes. Um, mm. Yeah, which usually I think blooper reels because I watch them frequently are like two minutes. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, again, I love the show. It's super fun and ridiculous. Uh, I think it's one of the shows that has also gotten better um, since Netflix took over. Um, they've had a bit more liberties to do, you know, a bit more fun stuff than, you know, network television would allow. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, super excited for the second half of the season. Um, be curious. I don't know if there's a release date. I don't think there's a release date for it yet. So the new one just came out in, in, like in August. So. Uh, the first half, I mean, just came out in August, so I'm I'm sure it's not going to be till like next year or something, maybe. But um. so so many uh, the, like the the one of the standard things in these comic book shows and and even in movies and not just comic book sci fi too, especially with big franchises, is to do prequel series. And mm-hmm. I I remember hearing about the 
Alfred Pennyworth, you know, a Butler yes. Alfred TV series. I hadn't realized the first season had already come and went. Okay, so that was my notes. <laughs> <laughs> that was exactly my note, being like, oh, I thought this was still coming, and it's apparently already happened. That's what I have, too. I had no... <laughs> I remember vaguely hearing that they were making a young Alfred show and going, huh. And apparently it released in that time. One of the things I, I heard about it was that it's... Um, well, someone online who I respect said that it's what they had hoped Gotham would be. So I think it it's, it takes things a bit more seriously and it's it's a bit more of an actual drama instead of a villain of the week, which is kind of what Gotham was. But I mean, were you dying to hear about young Alfred? Like, is that something, a story you've always wanted told? Uh, maybe if they went with the, the old say, Golden Age yeah. version of Alfred where he was a struggling actor. <laughs> Love it. It would be a very different tone. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I didn't watch this panel um, because, again, as soon as I saw that it was the second season, I was like, oh, I guess I should watch the first before I watch this panel. Um, <laughs> I don't want to ruin anything for myself, but yeah, I didn't end up catching it. Did you end up watching it at all? Or No, again, like I, I didn't want to spoil it either because I'm I'm kind of curious, frankly. I just, I just wish there was a way for me to access it easily. I thought maybe it would be on Crave, but I'm not seeing it on there. Um, so... Yeah, they, I, talk, I, I, they did talk a little bit about season two. I don't give a damn if it spoils for me. I will <laughs> hold off because I've watched it. No, I, I saw did. the spoiler too. It I was did sort of hard to miss. Yeah, I saw the spoiler too. Yeah. Well, but, the thing that I found was interesting that apparently the the show's creators have come out and said that, oh yeah, absolutely that this this guy Pennyworth they, they call it the character he could totally beat Batman in a fight because that's where Batman learns everything he knew. Oh. Well. And it's sort of like, well, that's nice that you guys are just, <laughs> you know, got to sell it. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, you're allowed to have that opinion. That's good. <laughs> it would be a pretty boring, I mean, it would be maybe like a, a Downton Abbey version of it, like where he's just like the, wouldn't that have been good? A Downton Abbey I would version? I watch the crap out of that. <laughs> right? Where he's like the, like, he's learning how to be the, like, yeah. Kylie, you just created something I never knew I wanted, and now I desperately want it. Yeah, well, uh, don't get your hopes up, because everyone dies in that show, so I'm sure, you know, all your favorite characters Yes, but will. maybe the butler did it. <laughs> With the candlestick in the light. That would be a hell of a twist. Alfred yeah. actually killed Thomas and Martha because oh he wanted to raise Bruce by himself. Oh, dark. Oh my god, we're writing this as we speak. <laughs> Okay, let's let's okay. should we hit some more of the comic book panels? Yeah, I mean, well, hold on. So oh, before okay. we move off the shows, I just did anyone else know about Superman and Lois? Okay, I did. I did know. I knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I kind of. I, I feel like the CW verse is getting like incredibly oversaturated. Uh, yeah, I just I, feel like in in my house growing up, my mother watched Lois and Clark all oh my God, the time. I love Lois and Clark, and I think that that show was a gateway drug for a lot of people in that position, where like they're just watching wow. like a drama. It just happens to have superheroes in it. Yeah. The fact that they're making a spiritual successor to it, like that that trailer they showed, reeked of Lois and Clark. It's clearly directly tied to it, and I'm I'm kind of intrigued by that idea. Yeah, I'm um I'm intrigued by it because they have a son. Um, sons, plural. Sons, uh, sorry, sons, uh, and so they're they're pulling that from the comics, which I'm very curious to see how they do. 
As far um, as I know, in the comics, there's just the one. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, I'm excited to see, like, kind of how they do that. Look, I I liked him as Superman in the Arrowverse. Uh, I thought, you know, he was he looked the part. He felt, you know, I felt that he was kind of like the part. But um, they've introduced her in the crossovers. And so, like, you've seen them. You know that they exist. So, like, it was only the next step that they would bring him in. Because, you know, I think Supergirl started very strong but has kind of peered off uh at least for me i don't really watch it anymore and i was like super gung-ho season one and two of it um and we introduced him into it so i think they're kind of you know trying to keep that alive in some ways by bringing this show in as well but again i'm there's so, like you said like there's so many arrowverse shows that i'm like eh, another one <laughs> I mean, at least this one seems to have a different tone. It's not going to be the hero and their their scrappy crew of of people yeah, helping them out from behind the scenes. Well, until we see it and we realize that it is. Oh, uh, fair, fair enough. <laughs> no, but I, it's also kind of cool because it's like they're already together. So yes, there'll be love interest stuff, but it's not going to be the same drawn out. Well, maybe it is a CW, but like it, it's a different. It's a different. I don't know. Um, like you said, tone. So until I see it. I'm, uh, again, and I like to say this a lot, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Superman. I mean, I know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a sucker for Superman. I've seen Superman I didn't like. But it's just, I, I will always be excited to see Superman as opposed to seeing, I mean, I, I don't want to tear her down, but like Batwoman, it, you know, is like, it, it just, it feels like of a, a derivative of a derivative of a, like, yeah. she definitely has her own thing, but something about Superman. And I just and like I, every time I say it, my brain in the background plays the John Williams theme, <laughs> just the horns. Like, yeah. da, da. <laughs> like it's Superman. Yeah. I just if like, Eddie's like everything they've been doing in this TV universe has been dancing around Superman and sort of like in Batman and out. And, like, yeah. I'm I am okay with having a new Superman show. He's Superman. He's so hard to hate. I also think it's, you know, people complain about Batman and Spider-Man movies sort of treading the same ground over and over again with origin stories. This is definitely going to be a Superman we haven't seen before. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's going to be a lot of new story. That's true. Well, it'll be also interesting because the way that they the way that they introduced him, he was very much your classic Superman working at, you know, like all like Daily Prophet, like all of those um, go-to uh, Superman stuff was in there because they, at the time, I assume, only could bring him in for a Supergirl episode here and there. And then now it's evolved into the movies being what they are, and I think they're getting more liberties on the TV shows. So it'll be interesting to see how they morph it from what your original view of him was in Supergirl to like what they're going to do in the show. Um because obviously, like, when he first came, you didn't know he had two sons. You didn't know, like, much. All you knew is that he was married. Like, him and Lois were together, and that's about it, right? So um, there is some interest for me there. Uh, and, again, I liked him. I thought he was really cute as Superman. He kind of fit yeah. that bill. He wasn't the, like, ragey Henry Cavill version of it. Um, so I am, I am, again, very excited to kind of see where they go. Again, they haven't... Their first seasons of most of their shows have been pretty decent, so I'll give it a watch. But sure, yeah, let us know enough. how it is. 
I will. Uh, I might try and catch a couple episodes. Depending oh. on where it is. You clearly have a soft spot for Superman. <laughs> I, I, I do really like Superman. And I, they, when they introduced his son in the comics, Jonathan Kent, it was a l- just a, a bit before Rex was born, my son. So yes, it was. I uh, it's sort of a. It, I, I kind of have a very soft spot in my heart for for that you know that that character because of that connection as tenuous as it is so i i'm always looking from for jonathan kent content yeah i remember you saying i remember when that happened and you were you were like oh i'm diving into the like superman stuff um and uh was that rebirth it, it actually it started just before Rebirth. Just before it kind Rebirth? of inspired Rebirth because okay. in in the new Fifty Two there was the new Superman, and then they slowly revealed that the old Superman was still yes. there, and he was married with Lois and had right. little Jonathan. I do remember now. Yeah, and then in the Rebirth they kind of had them both sort of. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember that. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, one thing I will quickly touch on before we go to the comic book panels. Um, one thing I did notice in the watch first that I thought was kind of interesting is they did a lot of um, panels to uh, like specific to different countries. So there was like an Italy one. There was like a DC down under, which was Australia, New Zealand. And they had like in that one, they had like Jai Courtney from Suicide Squad and Margot Robbie talk and um, all the different, you know, um, actors and actresses from New Zealand, and Australia. They had um, a few other different country ones as well. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing where they're clearly um, trying to target like the worldwide fandom and not just like the North American fandom. So um, I thought that was kind of cool content to throw in there. Um, yeah, there, there was a Canada one and I kept meaning to watch it, but there was other stuff that felt like higher priority. So I didn't end up getting around to it. Yeah, I missed it too. Um, not that I don't love Canada. I just uh, <laughs> had other things to watch. Um, but yeah. yeah. There was a lot of content, yeah. Yeah, but yeah let's let's move on. Let's get back to the, these comic books. So let me just t- touch on one quickly that I, I don't think we will need to say a lot about it. But And then we can get into maybe the big uh, DC events that they talked about. But uh, it's this is the other history of the DC universe. Mm. And yeah, so this is a comic series that was talked about years ago and finally it's it's happening and uh the big draw is that john ridley the oscar winning screenwriter for 12 years a slave is is on board writing this i think it's a five issue miniseries talking about the history of the dc universe from the perspective of minority characters so like Mm -hmm. there's black lightning and um the these bumblebee and mal from the old new titan uh, teen titans comics and and characters like that getting a chance to spotlight a sort of less lily white version of the um the dc universe so it's it's got a hell of a pedigree and i'm interested to see how it turns out and and so far there isn't a ton of information but it looks pretty cool well is i thought it was a batman so i thought it was a batman miniseries that focuses on the fallout from the joker war and specifically lucius fox's story with his family is that separate because i know that he's all like i know that they mentioned he was doing that too yeah that's a separate thing that's a separate thing okay okay cool yeah i think he's got uh i think his deal was for a couple of different stories so he's the other history when they first announced it years ago it was they said that uh, the john stewart green lantern would be the star of it and now he was barely even mentioned in the panel it's it seems like it's changed quite a bit since that first announcement but another thing that was announced around the same time that's finally seeing the light of day is this three jokers story yes 
So that's yeah, how long ago were did, like I feel like we, we were still like in school when you were telling me about this story. <laughs> I don't think it's quite that long ago, but I think it's five or six years. It's it's been a while, and and it was teased as part of Flashpoint. I think was when the the first teases for it came out. So maybe it was a long time ago. I don't know. Uh, but the the idea is that it, it hasn't just been one Joker all this time torturing Batman and the Bat family. It's actually been three different guys who all just happen to look very similar. And this is a story about where Batman and the Bat family finally figure out that there's three of them and how that revelation affects them. Um, so the premise, I don't, it, I, on the face of it, I don't, uh, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I'm really curious to see how they, what they do with it. Well, so the panel was filmed uh, apparently like pre the release of issue one, but issue one released on uh, August 25th. So it's out there. And, uh, and so a friend of mine, Megan kind of has read it, done a little bit of research on it. And um, like you said, it's told from the lens of three members of the bat family, mostly. So Barbara Gordon, Jason Todd and Bruce Wayne. And basically uh, their three interactions with the jokers that have terrorized them over, you know, over the courses of, basically the comics um and how they've dealt with that and um it i found that interesting that they chose those three characters but i guess it makes sense if you think about like when barbara gordon gets shot and gets in the wheelchair you know obviously batman i don't know what jason todd stuff and what his well, <laughs> well okay i know I've- some of the jason todd stuff <laughs> But I've never okay. read it. But let me give you, uh, let me give you the brief history of that, and then Jesse can can go with his Joker uh, take here. But uh, mm-hmm. after, so Tim, so Dick Grayson was the original Robin, and he left to become Nightwing. He he left Batman to become his own superhero, and then Jason Todd was introduced as basically a clone of Dick Grayson. And then the Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, and they decided they just didn't want the exact same guy, so they made Jason Todd more of a little jerk and he was more of a delinquent and got into trouble and he was really unpopular and DC did this thing where they they introduced the storyline where Joker kidnaps him and has the opportunity to kill him and they actually did this controversial thing where they let people call into this toll number and vote on whether they wanted Jason Todd to die or not okay and (laughs) And the kill Jason Todd side won, not by much, but they did win. And so Jason Todd was killed. And as controversial as that was, it became this really interesting plot point in Batman's life where his Robin, this young boy who he had running around fighting crime with him, actually dies. And it's this tragic thing that imprinted on him. And then years and years later, they brought him back to life as they do in comic books. But he's all scarred and messed up from his time being murdered by the Joker. Oh. Well, that's troubling. Um, <laughs> so it fits the Joker perfectly. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that, actually. Because, again, yeah, I know the Jason Todd story a little bit, but I didn't know about the call-in thing. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Choose-your-own-adventure comics. <laughs> um, Choose I will everyone's say, adventure. Right. Well, I will say that Jeff Johns, like, when he talked about it um, and, like, the importance of, like, offering something new to the Joker story because we've seen it, like, a million times, but also paying tribute to the major Joker stories we've had. So, like, the basically each Joker represents a different era uh, of the Joker. So the criminal, the comedian, and the clown. 
Um, so it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, like you said, it's been teased for a while. Um, Jeff John's writing it is always an interesting thing because clearly he, you know, he put putting a lot behind it. Um, and the Joker's obviously one of the most well-known large villains for the Batman. Uh, so it'll be it'll be uh, an an interesting world for these uh, the Bat Fam. But what I find interesting is that they while they have that going on, they also have the Joker War, like two fairly large joker stories happening at the same time which to me is interesting because you would think that like event they don't i don't think they cross over at all i don't think so either so i just like i found that fascinating that they were doing two large joker stories at the same time instead of doing you know not that it's taking away from the other one but you know what i mean like it's just to me it seemed like an interesting choice as a company but maybe i'm crazy no, I think it, it does feel like oversaturation, but the Joker is also one of their most, like, they, like they, the Joker sells tickets, you know? Yeah. Well, he keeps getting movies, he keeps showing up in say, other movies. I was just going to say, the movie made a lot of money at box office, so of course, naturally, you would think that they would then potentially bring it uh, more so to the forefront again. That's what they did with, you know, when Wonder Woman comes out or when Supergirl came out, all of a sudden I could buy all the old school Super uh, Supergirl comics again. You know what I mean? So I do see this as probably part of that. And again, that that was like a very realistic Joker story. So they're getting into that darker Joker again instead of the more comedic Joker in some ways. I just, I find when they they overdo it with characters it lessens their impact like at this point i am so tired of thanos and dark side stories yeah. they're supposed to be these two cosmic level villains that have destroyed huge swaths of the galaxy if not the universe but they keep getting defeated by by characters over and over again and so their threat is completely diminished and despite the fact that Joker has been defeated many, many times, he still feels like a potent villain, but it's getting to be a little much that, that you need a Joker, a big Joker crossover every few years. And now this year it's, it's two in one year. Yeah, it is crazy. It's interesting. And, and let's be, and, and we all know that the three Jokers thing isn't going to last. Like there's that, that that's an unsustainable story, and I'd be willing to put some money down to say that at the end of all this, it's going to turn out there's a fourth Joker, and that's been the true Joker who's been around all along, and these three guys are just like who knows what, but like like they're it's going to be reset. Like they, they, yeah. they can't give up on the one on one of Batman versus the Joker, um, and I just feel like having that. Like, like that's so inevitable that as curious as I am about the three Jokers, like I feel like there's no way it can have an impact. Well, I'm interested to see it when it's fully complete. Like I'll probably uh, buy or, or borrow the the collection, the collected edition, and try to read it on its own merits as its own individual thing. I kind of wish it was a standalone thing like an, an yeah. Elf's Worlds or an Earth One Batman story just so it could stand on its own without needing to to kowtow to all of the continuity around it but you know we'll see how it turns out it's, it's Jeff Johns has been the or if not the one of the main architects of the DC Universe for the last 20 years so it's he's a big name to have on there and Jason I think it's Jason 
Fabok, Fabok, who is the the artist on it. He's incredibly talented and just a big name out there right now in the DC comics. So they've got superstars working on it. Uh, Jason also happens to be a an Ontario boy. I think he's from Windsor. So, you know, go Canada. <laughs> well, that's that's fair. I mean, the fact they're pouring talent into it. It could help. But I, I can tell you right now, it's not going to be one of my most memorable Batman storylines. No. Um, in any case, we are coming up on time. Is there other stuff uh, that we should cover? We should probably talk about the Joker War real quick. Um, the other comic book big panel reveal. Um, this one, um, through the panel, they talked about how it's going to focus on Batman, Nightwing, and Batgirl, and the upcoming Lu- uh, Lucius Fox storyline. Um, but there is still the crossovers with the current runs of like Batman, Batgirl, De- Detective Comics, Harley Quinn, Nightwing. So like they're all going to kind of cross over with it. But um, basically the idea is to have a rich Joker that would allow him to compete um, power and control of Gotham. Uh, they um, basically that adds complication in terms of the Bat family trying to take him down. So it's almost like he's toe in toe with uh, Bruce Wayne in that sense. Um, and then another key element that they did in the storyline is they've got a new Joker, basically sidekick, uh, an anti Harley Quinn is what they're calling her uh, punchline. It's a good name. I yeah. Like the name. Yeah. Um, apparently the character is great. The, they, she'll have a, a, a one shot this fall on her own, obviously, which makes sense. Cause I think that from what I know, they're really, um, they're really pumping up that character as a new fun dynamic also with Harley Quinn because she's still around. But the fact that he has this new anti-version of her essentially uh, as his right hand is going to be an interesting dynamic. So that kind of excites me. But again, it connects with all the other current runs that I'm not reading at the moment. So I'll probably do the collect it as an issue thing like like Graham was talking about. But um I don't know, it's kind of interesting, again, but, again, I've seen Joker, like, a million times. Like, at least that's three Jokers in the other one. This is just a rich Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, so that's the other big sort of event that they're announcing. Um, I, as someone who reads the comics and typically likes the event stuff, um, I'll be honest, I didn't read any of the Watch... I started the Watchmen event stuff, um, the Doomsday Clock thing, but, like, eh. Like it, it, it just like to me, it was like Civil War Two, where it like had all this hype, and then like it just kind of fizzled near the like fourth issue or whatever. I know that right. one had a bit of a different story to it on why it did, but um, it just like it, they kept pumping it up as this like huge thing that was going to happen, and then I started reading it, and I just kind of got bored. <laughs> um, but that's just me. I also was not a Watchmen person, so that's probably also oh, why. Man, what? How can you not be a Watchmen person? I know. We don't have to get into this. Uh, the the only other things I checked out that I wanted to mention were I, I've a few years ago I stumbled across this word that I, I quite like. It's a hagiography, uh, hagiography, which is it's usually uh, used as the biography of saints. So it's all very fawning and and wonderful so i watched two of those that were available one on bob kane the creator of batman or 
you know, what of, yeah, more accurately, the co-creator of Batman. But this was very much, it's, it's, it was a few years old. Stan Lee was in it and a uh, younger Mark Hamill, not even talking about his role as Joker, but just as like a fanboy and, and a guy who got to meet Bob Kane and talking about that. And they were so generous to Bob who has had his reputation kind of tarnished in the uh, since he died there's been a lot of people saying you know he took a lot of credit that he didn't deserve and he didn't sort of spread the wealth around when he got it but it did give me a bit of a new appreciation for him i knew that he is a legendary uh swiper which is a term for someone who just like copies other people's art oh But what I didn't know was at the time that Batman was coming out, he was doing two or three other comics a month. And so it put that in a bit more perspective that that it wasn't just Batman. You know, he he wasn't something that he was solely focused on. He was doing a lot of other work and he he, he couldn't have known what was going to hit. And so maybe his attention was focused in other areas. And that's why his Batman work in retrospect looks kind of shoddy compared to some other stuff from the time and that why he had ghost artists come in so quickly. Uh, And then the other one I watched was about Dwayne McDuffie, who uh, tragically passed away uh, 15 years ago at this point, I think. And he, he died far too young and he, he was one of the main architects of the milestone comics. He was uh, instrumental in the justice league TV show. He did big runs on justice league and fantastic four comic books. And uh, he, he is very sorely missed. And this was a very nice documentary where they talked about him and all the great work he did. And I I learned a lot about him and and he seems like he is uh, dearly missed and, and would have been a very important figure had he lived. Yeah, not much more to add to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would have liked to, one thing I would have liked to have seen, and maybe it was there and I missed it, was like a female comic writer uh, panel and like female comic artist panel. I don't know if it was there and I just missed it, but like Gail Simone, like I would have loved to have seen some of the like, um, the people that like I love reading, uh, like the women side of it. Uh, I know there was a lot of, ra- there was a lot of good, um, representation um, type panels and stuff, which was great. But I would have liked to have seen, like, yeah, like a like a women uh, comic creator kind of uh, panel. But yeah, that's true. I I don't remember uh, seeing much of that. I mean, it would have been interesting if they they. The, I think there's this unsung female comic book artist. She's 93 years old. Uh, maybe not unsung, but she's undersung. And she did a lot of stuff in the Silver Age and is still doing art today, but mostly, I think, sort of one-off pieces or commissions from fans. But she was an instrumental creator on uh, the the Metamorpho character, who's kind of not a very well-known comic book character. But if you know DC Comics, you've definitely seen Metamorpho around. I think she also did a lot of work on Aquaman. And oh, yeah, so I know that those, character. Yeah, yeah. I just looked it up and I was like, oh, I definitely know who that is. Yeah, uh, so you're, you're really like you're really touting this woman. I don't suppose she has a name. Yeah, yeah. We're sorry, Ramona Freyden, okay. and she she's very cool. And I think it would have been great if they'd had a tribute to her. That that would have been a good place for her. Some of the other people, like Gail Simone or Jill Thompson or people like that, are still working, and mm-hmm. it's kind of harder to do pieces on on someone who is but, working for other companies or doing this or that. But it's like I didn't know that Gail Simone. Like I didn't know 
until I saw her at Fan Expo last year that she was a hairdresser for like, and most of the time she just wrote on the side, like, um, and like stories like that I thought was really cool. And so like something like that would have been, uh, I think a really neat panel to have them talk about like, yeah, like I was, I just like sent in scripts and like eventually got into it, but I was still working as a hairdresser at the time. And like, I don't know. I just thought they were interesting stories and it would have been kind of cool to, to hear a bit more about that kind of stuff. Yeah, but like nobody knows about Ramona Freyden, and she was a contemporary of of Stan and and Jack and Bob Kane and all those people, and and did important work. And she's sort of been forgotten. And I, I think this would be a great chance to get her that legendary status if they'd done a fawning biography piece on her. But you better alas. believe I've already Googled her, and I'm going to read all about her tonight. Please do. Aquaman apparently is also one of her notable works. Right. So. It also looks like she did some Simpsons and SpongeBob comics, but anyway, <laughs> I think it. we've uh, we've we've gone on at great length, and maybe it's time to wrap up. <laughs> what do you uh, think, Jess? Yeah. Well, so final impressions. What do uh, you think of part two? I personally enjoyed part two as a um, a virtual convention more than the part one, um, but I understand also that part one was the bigger sell for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, part one had the big trailers for the new movies, and it had all the big news announcements. But this this had a lot of fun stuff, and there was literally more than could be watched in the 24 hours. So I think, uh, I think there was more of a convention feel to this. So I think as separate entities they both had a lot of pluses and minuses for them but all in all it was enjoyable i I don't know if they'll do it again once the pandemic's over but i think it was an interesting experiment all right well hey i I can accept that uh as a guy who didn't actually attend but collected the news after (laughs) i can tell you that uh apparently one of the biggest news items was that we got to listen to a 90 second preview of the soundtrack to the snyder cut and i remember reading that paragraph and thinking Mm. well not a lot happening here I thought you were going to say. But hey, that, a, I thought you were going to say the most important part or takeaway was that we got to have these conversations. Ah, well, that's true. It's always <laughs> fun to have <laughs> friends we made along the way. Bring me back, no, I <laughs> folks. Is there anything we missed? Uh, I'm pretty sure we covered everything in notes, but there might have been something you thought was cool that we didn't get a chance. I mean, maybe we didn't even get a chance to see it because, like we said. There was a lot on there. Uh, would be happy to hear about the things that interested you, all kinds of ways you can get a hold of us. You can email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5. And we're on Twitter, at geektop5. It, uh, you, we're looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And you know what? Always appreciate having folks to give us a outside opinion. That's you, Kylie. Thanks again for being on the show. Our inaugural guest and our, our uh, admittedly, DC is a bit of a blind spot for us, but damn, do you fill that hole? Well, thank so. you guys very much for having me. I always love coming on. Hey, no, no, thank you. Thank you. And while we're giving out thanks, thanks to you too, audience. Uh, it's great to have you guys tuning in. It's because of you that we get a chance to do this. And of course, thanks to Jamie Ryum, guy behind our theme song, a musician-in-chief who sort of covers the music geek side of things on his own projects. Check him out. Uh, Ryum is spelled R-E-A-U-M-E. 
uh, Jamie Reum official or Jamie underscore Reum on Instagram. And be sure to check out his online sort of trivia pub nights at triviashmivia.com. Plenty of stuff to review that will keep you busy uh, until we get a chance to talk to you again. So for Geek Top 5, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we will talk to you again next week.